we've been studying the names of God on Wednesday nights. You know, the Bible uh, reveals to us different names of God, and these names of God reveal to us different things about God. The, the names represent who He is and what He's like. So if you want to know what God's like, one of the ways you can know that is by studying these names and looking at what these different names reveal. God didn't give us these names for no purpose. He wants us to study them and learn what they are and learn what they mean and learn how they apply to our lives. Now, it's, uh, it's often in contemporary culture that we hear somebody use the term God. And you hear it all the time from people that are uh, followers of Christ, people that are not followers of Christ, people that are, have a Christian worldview, people that are secular. We hear people use the term God all the time. Uh, and they use it in a very generic sense, right? They just, God. Well, the names of God that we've been studying help us to go beyond the generic to the specific God uh, of the Bible, the one true God that's revealed himself. And so as he's revealed himself, we learn what he is like through these different uh, names. And so it's been a, a fascinating study. And I want to give you three basic concluding thoughts from this study to kind of wrap it all up and, and tie it all up. And then we will uh, have some prayer time. Uh, we're going to pray over uh, some, some missionaries tonight, and then we will be through. Here's some concluding thoughts. Wade, what shall I walk away with from this study on the names of God? Number one, you need to understand that knowing these names will help you to know God better. Knowing these names, studying these names, remembering what you've learned, reviewing your notes, doing some further study, Knowing the names of God will help you to know God better. And that's a worthy pursuit, right? I mean, what's, what's, what's more worthy, what's more exciting than knowing God better? Is there anything bigger than that in this life? No. I mean, knowing God and knowing Him better and better is a most worthy pursuit. I love this quote from J.I. Packer. This comes from the book Knowing God, which is a great book. If you haven't read Knowing God, I highly encourage you to read it. One of my favorite books I uh, read it many times, and, and I just love it. So here's a, a quote from G.I. Packer. Our aim in studying the Godhead must be to know God himself better. That's why we study. That's why we have Bible studies and why we have highlighters to mark up our Bibles and we have fill-in-the-blank sheets that you're following along with. We do this for a purpose. We, we study. We have connect groups. We have sermons. We do all of this for the purpose of knowing God better. Our concern, he writes must be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with the doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God whose attributes they are. As he is the subject of our study and our helper in it, I like that, he's the one we study and he also helps us to study him. Pretty cool. As he is the subject of our study and our helper in it, so he must himself be the end of it. That's the, the goal we're shooting for, to know God. We must seek in studying God to be led to God it was for this purpose that revelation was given, and it is to this use that we must put it. How are we to do this? How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. Listen to what he says. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. Let me read that again. This is, this is what you need to do with this information you've been learning over the past few weeks. You need to take each truth you've learned about God, make it into a matter of meditation before God, think about it, dwell on it, study it, dig deeper, leading to prayer and praise to God. So, listen to me. If we've gone through this study 
and we've studied the names of God, and you've learned some things about Elohim and Adonai and Yahweh and Jehovah. And all. You've learned all this stuff, and it hasn't caused you to want to worship God in a fuller, deeper way, then we've really just been wasting our time. The purpose of any study of God is not just to, to gain some new head information so we can be smarter than we were when we began. That's not the purpose of studying the Bible and studying God. The purpose is so that you may know Him better and worship Him more fully. Does that make sense? I mean, that, that's the end result, that, that God gets the glory from our study of uh, Him. And so my prayer is that these names of God that we've looked at, that you've studied and learned, would fuel a fire in your heart for the one true God, to know Him, to worship Him, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to glorify Him, to honor Him, to know Him better. So knowing these names will help you to know God better. Now, J.I. Packer goes on to say in his book, Knowing God, that there are some characteristics of those who know God. So people that know God, I mean, they, they, they know Him personally, and they're growing in their relationship with Him, growing in their knowledge of Him. There are some characteristics of those types of folks. And I want to show you, this comes straight from G.I. Packer, four characteristics of those who know God. All right? Here they are. And this ought to be impetus for you to want to know God better. Number one, those who know God have great energy for God. Those who know God have great energy for God. How many of you ever feel weary? Raise your hand. How many of you ever feel weary serving God? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are honest and some of you are, all right. We all, listen to me, we all get weary serving God. It can just be taxing sometimes. And, and, and since we don't see the, the results we like to see, so it can become a wearisome task serving God. That's why there's a chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul says, do not lose heart. And he shares reasons in that chapter why we should not lose heart in serving God. Because it's a... It's a it's a reality that you and I can grow weary in serving God. But look in Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, Old Testament book of Daniel. We'll have it up there on the screen for you in a moment too. Daniel chapter 11. Now this book is about some Hebrews that were taken by the Babylonians from their homeland into captivity in Babylon. And we learn what happens to these Hebrew boys. Uh, there are four that are focused on in particular. Uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, better known by their pagan Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And listen, when you get to heaven, if you call them by their pagan Babylonian names, they'll probably get mad at you. All right? Because those were names of pagan gods that they were giving them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certain they would probably much prefer Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. So you remember that when you get to heaven. Way told you, all right? Be warned, all right? Call them by their Hebrew names. And there's another one named Daniel, who the book is named after. And look in Daniel chapter 11. Verse 32. The Lord speaking uh, to his people. It says, By smooth words he will turn to godlessness, those who act wickedly toward the covenant. He's talking about the evil forces that will arise in the coming days. He will uh, turn to godless, those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people, listen, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. So 
there's a lot of prophecy here in chapter 11, and, and there's debate over exactly what he's talking about here. Is he talking about a, a near uh, historic event that was soon to come after the days of Daniel or something farther in the future? And again, we don't have time for all of that, but here's what he's saying. They're coming, Daniel's saying, some very evil days. And in those evil days, people by the droves will be turning from the one true God, turning to false gods, turning away from God, turning to godliness, turning to evil. But he says, in those days which I believe we're living in today, in those days, those who know their God, those who know Him personally and know Him well, those who know their God will display strength and take action. There'll be an energy to serve God, an energy to live for God, a desire, a wherewithal, a proclivity to live for the Lord. And so, here's what this means. If you know God, and this study is intended to help you to know God better, If you know God well, and you're growing in your knowledge of Him, and you're growing in your relationship with Him, when the going gets tough, and everybody else is turning away from God, you'll be the one staying by the stuff. You'll be the one who won't throw in the towel. You'll be the one that'll stay faithful and loyal to glorify God. You'll be the one that'll keep on keeping on, even though it's very difficult. You'll be the one that has strength and takes action for the Lord. We need more people like that today, don't we? People that have godly strength that take action for the service of God. And those kind of folks are people that know God. That's what Daniel says. Those that know their God, those that have that intimate, personal, growing relationship with Him will be those kind of folks. Secondly, those who know God have great thoughts of God. Have great thoughts of God. Turn to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Verse 25, this is Daniel talking to King uh, Nebuchadnezzar, interpreting his dreams for him. Look what he says to King Nebuchadnezzar um, in uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 25. He says, this is the, uh, we're looking at verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had some dreams. He wants to know what they mean. Daniel's going to tell him what they mean. He's, this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Now, you didn't talk like this to a king. I mean... To disrespect a king, he would just say, hey, off with his head. You didn't talk like this in this day and time to a king. But Daniel's saying, you want to know the interpretation of your dream? Here it is. God, the one true God, the most high God, higher than you, Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to drive you into the wilderness, you're going to eat grass like a cow. And if you keep reading, that's exactly what happens. God humbles King Nebuchadnezzar. And, And notice how Daniel keeps saying, he's the most high. You're not Nebuchadnezzar. He's the most high. He's the most high. He's the most high. Daniel knew that God was the Most High. He had great thoughts of God. He talked like that about God because he knew God. He knew who God really was. And then look over with me in chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. This is a prayer of Daniel.
Look in verse 3, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. He says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said. So here's his prayer. Now, I want you to listen to how he prays, and then I want you to lay that beside your own prayer life. All right? Listen to what he says. Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame as it is this day. And he goes on to to pray to God on behalf of the people of Israel. So what's happening here? Daniel flat knows how to pray, doesn't he? Great and awesome God. I mean, he has a, this language of prayer that is moving and inspiring. So wait, how does Daniel know how to pray like that? He knew God. He knew God. He had a personal relationship with God, a growing relationship with God. He knew what God was like, and it informed his prayer life. Sometimes our prayers are weak and anemic and wrote and repeated and memorized because we don't understand how great God is. You know, we find ourselves praying and we re- repeat over and over again the same things. And, and we're not even conscious of, of what we're really saying to God. But when you know God, when you get a vision for how great He is, how awesome He is, how holy He is, how sovereign He is, how powerful He is, how great He is, how majestic He is, it will, it will show up in your prayer life. It did in Daniel's life. He had great thoughts of God because he knew God. And people that know God have great thoughts of God. Third, those who know God show great boldness for God. We, I'm telling you, the great need of the Christian church today and in the coming days is boldness. We're going to have to be bold because I'm telling you, there, there are waves of intimidation coming that we've never seen before in our nation. And so we've got to be bold. We've got to be courageous, compassionate, loving, merciful, Kind, but courageous. So look with me in Daniel chapter 3. The passage here tells us that Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had a big head. I mean, this guy was, he was, he was prideful. So he sets up an image um, of gold, uh, and he sent word throughout the land that whenever... Uh, the image is set up, and um, uh, and and the, the the music plays. Everyone is to bow down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Uh, and he says in verse six, "Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire." So I don't Nebuchadnezzar saying, "I don't care what your religious background is. I don't care who your god is. I don't care what your culture says. When you hear the music, you bow down and worship the golden image that I've set up." All right. Now, that's a problem if someone's worshiping the one true God and knows you're not supposed to worship false gods, right? Problem. Well, here enters three Hebrew boys, mostly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right? Look what it says in verse 12. Some men come to Nebuchadnezzar and say, There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, Namely, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you 
They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made, very well. So I'm, he said, I'm going to give you another chance. I've heard you're not worshiping my golden image, but, but when you hear the music, fall down and worship. Because look what he says next. If you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? I know one. <laughs> I know one that can deliver them from his hands. Look in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. I love that. We don't even have to think about it. We don't have to think about what we're going to do when the music plays. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Why did they have that kind of boldness? To, to stare uh, down death and say, when the music plays, we're not going to bow down. Why did they have that boldness? Because they knew God. They knew that there's one God worthy of worship and praise, and they know, knew to worship another God or worship the image of a king was to dishonor the one true God, and they knew that God was so powerful and so big that if he wanted to rescue them, he could. So they knew, hey, my life is in his hands. So we're going to do the right thing. We're, we're not going to worship the image, Nebuchadnezzar. And so when, he doesn't, when they don't do that, they throw them into a fiery furnace, and they're preserved by God. There's a fourth one walking in there with them. Uh, and they're preserved through the fiery furnace, and they are saved. But they were bold because they knew God. Because they knew God was in control, they could say, we're going to do the right thing and leave the results in God's hands. Now, do you have that kind of courage? No matter how intimidating the situation is, I'm going to do the right thing and trust God because he's in control. Nothing can touch my life unless God allows it. People talk like that that know God. People have courage that know God. You, you, can't, you, you can't do anything about a person that knows God. Think about Paul in the New Testament. Paul said, uh, I'm going to preach the gospel. And the, the authorities said, you can't preach the gospel. The Jewish authorities, the Roman authorities said, you can't preach the gospel. And, and Paul said, well, to live is Christ. If I'm alive, God's given me opportunity to preach the gospel. And they said, well, we'll kill you. And he says, oh, to die is gain. If you kill me, I win because I go to heaven and I get me with Jesus. I get my reward. What do you do with somebody like that? What do you do with that kind of courage? You can't shut them up, can you? You can't intimidate them. To live as Christ, to die as gain. People that know their God have great boldness for God. So listen to me, church. We better grow in our relationship with God so we can manifest that courage in the days that are to come. Fourth, those who know God have great contentment in God. Oh, by the way, when the Roman government couldn't stop Paul from preaching the gospel, and he said, if, if I'm alive, then I have opportunity. If you, if, you, if you kill me, I go to be with Jesus. And said, we'll, we'll just lock you up. And, and we'll, we'll lock you up to a Roman soldier so you, you can't escape or go anywhere. So you know what he started doing? He started witnessing to Roman soldiers. 
And Roman soldiers started getting saved. In the Philippians, it says that, that the gospel was spreading through the Praetorian Guard. Those were Caesar's uh, bodyguards, his secret service. And the gospel spreading through the household of Caesar because Paul in prison just kept preaching the gospel. Courage, boldness. He knew God. Now, those who know God have great contentment in God. Daniel chapter 6, another story of courage. Again, some of the leaders in the kingdom were jealous of Daniel's influence, how Daniel had risen to prominence. So they entered into an agreement with the new king, King Darius, and they said uh, that you need to establish a statute that anyone who prays to any god besides you for 30 days shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now the reason they did this is because they knew Daniel, and they knew Daniel was going to pray. Injunction or statute or no injunction or statute, Daniel was going to pray to his God, the one true God. Look what it says in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. You say, Wade, Daniel was high up in leadership in Babylon. He could lose everything. He could lose his influence, he could lose his job, he could lose his life. Why is he still praying three times a day? Even though he knew the statute had been signed, windows are open, he's praying to God. Why would he do that? He did that because he knew God. And he knew that even if you took his job away, even if you took his influence away, by this time Daniel was, a, was an older man. If you threw him in the lion's den, whatever you did to him, he had God. And he was fine with that. He was content with having no one but God in his life. Nothing but God in his life. And so he has this contentment to, to pray, even in the midst of intimidating circumstances. People that know their God have great contentment in God. They're satisfied by God. They don't need the trappings of this world. They don't need material things to drive them or make them feel good. They have God, and God is enough. And so these are just some different characteristics of people that know God personally, growing in that relationship with God. Now listen, our relationship with God is just like any other relationship with any other person. It can be strengthened, right? I, I know Claire, uh, this summer we'll celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary, and, and I know Claire better in year 15 than I did when we got married. She knows me better, too. We've grown in our relationship with one another. We, we know each other better. We're, we're closer to one another. And, and listen, that, can, that same thing can and should happen in our relationship with God. He's a person, right? He, he loves us. He, he wants us to talk to Him. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants us to grow in our relationship with Him. So one way we do that is by, is by growing in our understanding and knowledge of who He is. And one of the ways you do that is by studying the names of God. These reveal who God is so we can know Him better. So I hope that you won't just kind of put your notes away and never think about the names of God again. I hope these will, again, fuel your walk with Him, your relationship with Him. Number, any questions on that before I go to number two? Any questions? You say, wait, that was good stuff. Thank J.I. Packer. All right? Let's thank J.I. Packer. You need to read Knowing God. If you haven't read Knowing God, read Knowing God. Great book. Great book. Any questions on this before we go to number two? All right. Number two. Knowing these names, these names of God, 
will help you to navigate different circumstances. Knowing these names, I hope this is one of the results in your life, will help you to navigate different circumstances. Life can throw at us all sorts of things, can't it? All sorts of situations, all sorts of circumstances, and we need to be able to to walk with God through whatever life brings our direction. And the names of God can help you to do that. Listen to what Kenneth Hemphill writes in his book, The Names of God. He writes, God's names are a continual unveiling of his character in response to the unique challenges that Israel faced. These are names he revealed to Israel in the Old Testament. These names enabled God's people to understand more fully the majesty and richness of his multifaceted character. The names of God reflect God's desire to reveal himself fully to mankind so that we might come to know him and experience his fullness. The same is true today. God wants to reveal himself fully to you that you might know and trust him. Watch this. In every arena of your life. God, listen to me. God wants you to know him and trust him in every arena of your life. Not just on Sundays, but on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. Not just at church, but on the job and in your home and in your school. God wants you to experience his fullness in every arena of your life. you believe that? And these names of God can help us to navigate those different arenas. For example, let's say that you're dealing with uh, anxiety and concern over some need you have in your life. And you remember that night we studied Jehovah Jireh. The Lord what? Remember, remember what Jehovah Jireh is? The Lord what? Say it, say it with confidence. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. It makes me feel good that at least one person knew that. All right. The Lord provides. And you say, I remember talking about the Lord providing. And you remember the context of the Lord providing? It was in Genesis 22 where God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And right before Abraham kills Isaac, the Lord says, stop. Abraham was a test. And if you look over there in the thicket, there's a ram caught by his horns. And, and that ram can be the sacrifice, not your son Isaac, which I believe is a picture of Jesus Christ dying in our place so we would not have to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus took the, the, the penalty for us. But remember what I told you on that night? I said, if we can trust God to meet the greatest need in our life, which is salvation from sin, then we can trust him with the other areas of our life as well. Right? So you're dealing with, with need. You have some kind of need in your life. Maybe it's a physical need, a, a material need, a, an emotional need. You're dealing with need. And maybe you need to spend some time thinking about Jehovah Jireh. Remembering that God provides. Talk to him as Jehovah Jireh. And think about how that applies to your life. And so the name Jehovah Jireh can help you to navigate through times of need. Right? Or the name El, which is the name of, uh, uh, name of God, which carries with the idea of strength. When you're feeling weak, remember that God is El. He is the God who gives you strength when you Need it. And you can reflect on that name and navigate that period of weakness in your life. Remember when, when you feel lost and afraid and 
and, and, and you don't know what to do, remember uh, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Remember that He's the one that guides you and leads you and protects you and provides for you. You need to turn to Him and, 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 and surrender your life to Him anew and afresh as shepherd so He can guide you out of that difficult time in your life. See, these names of God can help you to navigate different periods in your life. Maybe there's a period of sin in your life where you're doing some things you ought not to do. And you can't break free. You, you, you can't have victory over that sin. You keep doing the same thing day after day or week after week. And, and you're caught up in that sin and you're in bondage to that sin. Maybe you need to remember uh, Jehovah-Roah, uh, which means the Lord sees everything. And remember that God watches us. The good things we do, the bad things we do, we're accountable to God. We need to remember that when we're tempted to step into that area of sin in our life, remember that God is watching me. Right now, He's watching me, and I need to say, God, I want to honor you in this moment. Help me not to step into bondage again. So there's so many different applications to the names of God. And I've tried to show you every week how these names apply to our lives. And so when you uh, feel yourself in, 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 a, in a difficult situation, a difficult circumstance, remember the names of God, and they can help navigate you through those different and difficult times. Does that make sense? Questions on that? Questions on number two? We're going fast. All right, we're going to get real practical here on number three. So look at number three. So Wade, what should I do with this study of the names of God? Employ the names of God in your walk with Him. By employ, I mean use them. Use them. Use the names of God in your walk with Him. For example, in Bible study. When you're studying the Bible, look for and reflect on the names of God as you study God's Word. It can really enrich your reading of the Bible. So say you're reading uh, the Psalms and you come across capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What's that mean? Yahweh. And when was that name first revealed in the Bible? I am that I am. What it, Moses, burning bush, right? So when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E, that's the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, the covenant name of God. It's the, it's the personal name of God, if you will. It's the name that God's people who are in a relationship with him knew him by. So when you see that, Think about that. That's, that gives you some insight into what's being said in that passage. If you come across capital L and then lowercase O-R-D, what word is that? Adonai, which means what? Lord. means Lord. All right? And so you read that and say, Lord. And you think about the implications of, of calling God Lord, Master, Boss, Ruler. All right? And so look for the different names. If you see Lord with all uppercase and then Lord with... Three lowercase. Think about think about the differences there. When you see uh, God, think about that being Elohim, and, and 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 think about the different names of God in your Bible study can really enrich your time in God's Word. Reflect on them. Think about them as you study the Word of God. All right. Secondly, in prayer, employ the names of God in prayer. Now, God revealed these names to us, Jehovah-Jireh, Jehovah-Rophi, Jehovah-Shammah, all right? He revealed these names to us for a reason, Yahweh, Adonai. Why did he reveal these names to us? So we can know him better, right? 
And if he tells us these are his names, then I don't think there's a thing in the world wrong with using these names when you're talking to God. So incorporate these into your prayer vocabulary. All right. For example, look in Psalm 16 with me. Psalm 16. Show you how one does this. Psalm 16, a Psalm of David. Psalm 16, verse 1. David says, Preserve me, O God. That's Elohim, all right? Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, what's that? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What name is that? Yahweh. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. What word's that? Adonai. See the difference there? It's lowercase o-r-d. And so in one verse, or two verses, David uses three different names for God in his prayer life. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So if David did that, you think it's okay if we do that? You think it's permissible that we use these names of God when talking to him? I think it's permissible, and I think it, it, it can be enriching in your prayer life. For example, if you're struggling and you need something, you need God's provision, call him Jehovah Jireh in your prayer life. God, I want to experience you as Jehovah Jireh. Or when you have a need for healing in your life, physical healing or emotional healing or whatever. God, I want to experience you as Jehovah Rophe. I want, I want to experience you as healer in my life. Learn these names. Write them in the front of your Bible if you need to. Take the sheets, and if you can't find any of your sheets from the past weeks, and I, we can email them to you or whatever. But, but write these names in front of your Bible somewhere where you'll see them often. Put them on an index card. Put them in your Bible. Put them in your car. Put them, tape them on your bathroom mirror and, and, and incorporate these names into your prayer life. And I'm telling you, they will enrich your prayer life. You call him Adonai, and you call him Yahweh, and you call him uh, Jehovah Jireh, and all the Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Rohi, uh, all these different names. They will be a blessing in your life. So incorporate the names of God into your prayer life. All right? Third, employ the names of God in family life. We need to teach our families that God's revealed himself through his names. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God. There's two names of God right there. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear. There it is again, the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it all. Do it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with all your might. These words, okay, that there's one God that we ought to love. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. Now look in verse 7. 
You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord, there's Yahweh again, who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God. You shall worship him and swear by his name. Okay? You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you, for the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God, Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. And he goes on to say, teach this to your kids. And so we need to talk about the God who's revealed himself in our homes. We need, we need to say, there is a God. He's told us what he's like. He's told us his names. And we need to worship him alone and love him alone and make sure he's the center of our home. Employ the names of God in your Walk with him in your family life. They have some really neat, we, we don't have this in our house. Uh, it'd be a neat thing to, to get, but they have some really neat posters and things that have the different names of God on them, which might be good to have them in your house to, to talk about those names of God with your family because those names of God reveal something about the one true God. Next, employ the names of God in your walk with him in corporate worship. In corporate worship. In other words, these names should help you to worship God. Turn to Psalms with me. Psalm 8. This is a psalm of praise by David. how David praises God. Oh, Lord, our Lord. You see any difference between the two words Lord there? See it? The first one's what? Yahweh. Second one's what? Adonai. All right. Covenant name of God. And then the title Lord, uh, Master Boss. Oh, Lord, our Lord. Two different names of God used in praise and worship. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Look in verse 9. O Lord, our Lord. Same thing. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And so David used different names of God to worship and praise him. So when you're praising God, you know, look for, look for songs that speak of the different names of God. Joy does a great, song, a great job leading us to sing songs with, with rich doctrinal content about the one true God. And, and you'll see... Uh, truths about the God we've been studying that's been revealed through his names as we sing these songs. So, so sing these songs and praise the one true God who is Yahweh, who is our Adonai. And I think you will be uh, blessed through that. Matter of fact, the choir sings a song. They haven't done it in a while, but they sing a song um, called Because of Who You Are, and they go through the names of God. Uh, so we'll get Joey to sing that again soon because it's a great song. And when you hear it, Say, I know what those names mean. I've been, in the, I've been through the study. And just worship God as you hear those names sung in praise. 